Today's scripture reading comes from the book of 2 Corinthians, chapter 4, verses 13 through 18. This can be found on page 818 of your pew Bible. Second Corinthians chapter four, verses 13 through 18. It is written, I believed, therefore I have spoken. Since we have the same spirit of faith, we also believe and therefore speak, because we know that the one who raised the Lord Jesus from the dead will also raise us with Jesus and present us to you to himself. All this is for your benefit, so that the grace that is reaching more and more people may cause thanksgiving to overflow to the glory of God. Therefore, we do not lose heart. Though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day. For our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is eternal. Let's welcome Dr. Jeffrey Arthurs to come speak with us. Good morning once again. This is my fourth week out of four. My privilege to be with you. I've been edified by getting to know you in this very, very fine church. God bless the work of Pastor Chuck and Pastor David and the other volunteers and pastors here. Keep doing what you're doing. Preach the gospel, make disciples, baptize, teach those disciples to obey everything that our Lord Jesus has given us. That's what we're called to do. That's what you are doing. And uh, keep, keep up the good work. Well, we've been looking at this old world that we live in, a world of hurt. And we've gone for four weeks together by examining Job, by examining the story of Lazarus, John chapter 11. I called that divine dawdling. Last week, looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4, do not lose heart. And today I'd like to speak to you about the next age, the coming age. We call it uh, heaven. From Job, we learned that sometimes the righteous suffer. If you are suffering, it is not necessarily a sign of discipline, of God's uh, anger. Job was righteous, but he did suffer. We learned that when we suffer, lament is a legitimate form of prayer. We don't have much of a handle on lament in most of our modern uh, churches today, but it's a biblical, healthy, uh, modeled form of communication with God. Our Lord Jesus lamented. And if you are suffering, I hope that you have a safe place, a safe person, a safe environment in this church to express your wrestling and your sighing with God. From Job, we learned that God sovereignly sanctions some suffering. 
that raises the hope and it raises the problem. It raises the hope because he sovereignly, he's in control, he's wise. It raises the problem because he sanctions some of our suffering for the purposes of building our character, helping us empathize with other people and other lessons. From Job, we also learned that the pursuit of God can and should take place without immediate gratification. Job had a long journey, but he remained true to God, and we can follow his example. From Lazarus, the story of Lazarus, John 11, we learned that Jesus uses trials. He sovereignly sanctions some suffering, in this case to increase our faith, and we are to believe in him. He's the resurrection and the life. Believe in him. From John, the same story, we also learn that when Jesus does this, when he uses trials, he's not only glad for our sake, he also weeps. He has a tender heart. He feels with his people. He's part of this world, this world of hurt, and he identifies with us. From 2 Corinthians, we learned how to not lose heart through two perspectives. And the first is to uh, remember that in one of the purposes of trials is to give us the opportunity to reveal the sustaining power of God. If you're not in trials, you can't display this treasure, this power of God in the same way as when you are in trials. And so when you are in trials, there is a reason behind it a purpose for you to display the glory of God. And we also had a second principle, a perspective on the future, that resurrection is coming, and that is our topic for today. From the same passage, 2 Corinthians chapter 4, that you have heard read. If you have your Bibles open, we'll be looking at 2 Corinthians chapter 4. Let me see if I can provide an entrance into this topic today by calling your attention to the experience of an early missionary who was ministering in Tierra del Fuego, which, as you know, is the far tip of South America, the southernmost tip, right down there by the the South Pole, the Antarctic. And... um, it, was a, it is a barren, rocky, uh, infertile, harsh world. Well, when he arrived there, he found that they had an unnerving and bizarre ceremony, the native peoples there. Every morning as the sun rose, they would face the sun and greet it with shrieks and howls. It was only a while later, after he had been there for a while, that he learned the the, the reason behind that unnerving ritual. Apparently, so much misery crowded into their lives in that barren land that they viewed the start of each day as the renewal of suffering. We are separated by 8,000 miles and more than 100 years from that, that experience. 
And I have never personally been that low, at least for an extended period of time. But some of my friends have been there. And they would say, yeah, that's about right. Each dawn is the continuation of suffering. They would say, we live in a fallen creation. This creation, this natural world, not only blesses us, it makes life very difficult. There are natural disasters, there are diseases, there are... It's hard. We live not only in a fallen creation, my friends would say, we live among a fallen humanity. We not only love and have friendship and appreciate each other, but we also hurt each other. We live in a world, a world system, which is anti-Christ. And so it is anti-disciples of Christ. And then no, no wonder our, our, our Lord Jesus said, in this world you will have tribulation. But be of good cheer, I've overcome the world. The Apostle Paul said, through many tribulations we must enter the kingdom of God. And if you have an idea that being a disciple of Jesus is easy, it's a bed of roses, it's a cakewalk, you better change your mind, because here's the word of our Lord. Here's the word of his Apostle. Here's the experience of most of us. It's tough. It's tough. We live in a world of hurt. It seems to me that the Apostle Paul could have been part of that tribe of the Native Americans in Tierra del Fuego because he was beaten with rods. A rod was about as big as my little finger, about that thick. Wham! They beat him with rods. But he said, we do not lose heart. Three times he was whipped. They called it the 40 lashes minus one. 39 lashes. That's because they were so merciful. It wasn't 40. Three times. We do not lose heart. He was hounded from city to city and chased out. He was, one time he was shipwrecked. He spent a day and a night in the open sea. We do not lose heart. He was persecuted by his own people. The ones that he loved and came to bless, and he was part of them, and he was part of their culture, and, and they persecuted him. But he said, we do not lose heart. Not saying it's fun, not saying it's easy, but somehow we are able to persevere and to know the sustaining power of God. And one of the reasons that he was able to not lose heart deals with our issue, our topic for the day, and that is the next age, a future perspective. We call it heaven. Now, when I say heaven, don't think clouds and harps and halos and twang, twang. I mean, who wants to go there? Do you want to go there, twang, for all eternity? No, think the next age. 
a perfected age, a beautiful age, very similar to what we have now, but without sin, without disease, without war, without all the bad stuff. The next age. His eyes were focused there, and that helped him, gave him strength now. Because what does the old gospel song say? This world is not our home, we're just a passing through. There's a coming world when this world is remade. And so we can persevere and not lose heart, even in trials. Do you think about heaven? Most of you are young, most of you are healthy, and you know, you're, 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 just, you're just on the cusp of, you know, taking your place in society and getting your education and getting and moving. You probably don't think about heaven that much, but maybe we should. The Bible talks a lot about it, and it is a regular motivation when we fix our eyes forward to know the sustaining power of God now. So that's our theme for the day. I'm taking that idea, fixing our eyes forward, mostly that was interesting. <laughs> I'm taking it mostly from verse 18. We look not to the things that are seen, but the things that are unseen. Because the things that are seen are temporary. The things that are unseen are eternal. See the first part of verse 18, we look not. The word look there is uh, in the Greek text, uh, it, you might translate it scope. Uh, it means to, to, to focus on, to aim at, to, to, uh, to direct your intense gaze toward. And that's why I'm calling this that we, we need to scope the resurrection. Some of you are hunters, right? Do you use a scope when you hunt? It brings that which is distant, seemingly closer. It helps you focus, to aim at something. Are any of you in the medical profession, scientists, you use a microscope? It brings that which is uh, too small to be seen and makes it present and visible. We, uh, you may use a telescope, like the scope of a rifle, to bring that which is distant and give you a vision. And we need, according to the, the example of the Apostle Paul, to scope the resurrection. Focus on, aim at, concentrate on the next stage when you will rise with a glorified, perfect body and you'll know the glory of God in what we call heaven. So I want you to use your imagination, your sanctified imagination informed by the truth, the truth of the Word of God, to focus on that which is not seen. We do walk by faith, and yet that which is real and a motive to help us persevere in this world of hurt.
Now, uh, the Apostle Paul is pro- he probably has in mind here what we call the doctrine of the first fruits. He says, knowing that he who raised the Lord Jesus will raise us also with Jesus. You know, just as Jesus rose from the dead, those who are believers in him, those who are connected to him, those who have faith that are drawing their life from him, those who are his disciples, will rise also. And as I say, this may be, he may have in mind what we call the doctrine of the first fruits. In the Old Testament, the, uh, in the, the Mosaic law, the law of Moses, they were commanded to bring the first fruits. Like when you, harvest time, you know, the first part of the harvest, whether it's grain or the grapes and the fruits and vegetables, they would bring the first part of the harvest and offer it to God. And what was going on there? It was an act of faith. You know, if you're in an agricultural culture, uh, you feel like, yes, finally, you know, it's harvest time. We can make it. We're not going to starve. But it was an act of faith to take the first part of that harvest. I really want to eat it. But an act of faith saying, no, I give it to God. Because in faith, he will provide more. More is coming. And the Apostle Paul calls Jesus the first fruits. He has been raised. And there's a whole harvest following him, connected to him, part of the same crop. And that's you and me. Because he rose, we will rise also. Christ has been raised from the dead, the first fruits of all those who have fallen asleep. Fallen asleep meaning have died in the Lord. We shall be changed in the twinkling of an eye at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and the dead will be raised imperishable, for this perishable body must put on the imperishable and the mortal must put on immortality. Scope the resurrection. The problems that you're going through are real, they are present, they are grievous, they are temporary. And if you believe in Jesus, because he rose, you will rise also. Now, what will this next age be like? It's going to be like this age, only perfect. Will we work in heaven? Yes. But it won't be toilsome, you know, making widgets and having a crummy boss. It'll be good work and and interesting and, and worthwhile work. Will we invent and discover? Yes. In the next age, we will probably continue to discover the universe. We will probably continue to invent things. Why not? It's the glorified next age. Are any of you artists? Will you continue to make art? Yes, and it'll be even better. And you'll have all eternity to keep working on your craft. What is, um, uh, in the next age, we will fellowship with deep, communal, looking each other in the eye. No walls, no hidden agendas, no shame, no deep fellowship. In the next age, we will worship. What is the most profound worship experience you have ever had? 
Does, does one come to your mind like, oh man, I was transported to the seventh heaven. Maybe you went to a promise keeper's rally and with 20,000 men in a stadium, you all sang, oh, for a thousand tongues to sing my great Redeemer's praise. And you flow, I go, whoa, I'm actually in heaven right now. That doesn't touch the worship that's coming. It's a foretaste. It is itself a kind of first fruit. What is the most profound fellowship experience that you've ever had? I mean, friendship and support and, and fun and, and, and loving each other. Maybe it was a time when you confessed your sins to each other and there was the grace of God and there was freedom and you were in this thing together. It doesn't even touch the fellowship you will have in heaven. Although it gets close, it is a foretaste, it's a hint of the next age. You can look forward to this because Jesus has been raised and you will be raised also. And that was the reason, or that was one of the reasons he didn't lose heart. They were beating him. They were, you know, kicking him out of their cities. He was in danger in the country. He was in danger in the city. He was in danger on land. He was on danger on sea. But he scoped the resurrection. And he said, that gives me strength now. Verse 16 in our text So we do not lose heart, though our outer self is wasting away. Our inner person is being renewed. Steady, consistent, day by day, day by day. There's a strength, there's a perseverance in the Apostle Paul. He meant it too, you know. I mean, he really, he really displayed that. He didn't just say, oh, he didn't just, it wasn't just words. Do you remember when he was in Philippi? He was preaching the gospel. He got in trouble. They, 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 they took him. They beat him. It was one of those times I probably got the 30, the 40 lashes minus one. They beat him and then they put him in stocks. Do you know what stocks were like? They would lock your feet in stocks and your feet would be a little bit off the ground. So it was very uncomfortable. You weren't just, you know, sitting on the ground. And so you wanted to lean back, but you couldn't lean back because your back was all messed up. And uh, he was in the dungeon. Dungeons were not a nice place. There was no light in there. Do you remember Acts chapter 16? What was he doing at midnight? Singing. What do you think he was singing? Through many dangers, toils, and snares, I have already come. As a matter of fact, I'm in one of them right now. But grace has brought me safe thus far. And grace will lead me home. When we've been there 10,000 years, 
bright shining as the sun. We've no less days to sing God's praise than when we first begun. He did not lose heart. Somehow, somehow this sustaining power of God, and I think it was linked to his scoping the resurrection, focusing forward, aiming at, keeping his view there. Is that where your view is? not saying it's easy. I'm saying that if you scope the resurrection, it will give you strength to persevere. It will give you courage to battle evil. If your friends betray you, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. It's very, very painful. What will keep you going? If your professors are unfair to you, I don't know if you've ever experienced that. I remember when I was getting my PhD in graduate school, I had this professor. I thought we had this really nice relationship, but he let me have it in class. I thought it was very unfair. He was mocking my Christian stance on love and marriage. I, it was so painful. If thieves break into your car or into your apartment, did that ever happen to you? It's no fun. You feel exposed and violated. And if, if your body wastes away, maybe I should say when it wastes away, if you have to care for a parent whose mind is starting to go, or a grandparent, where will the strength come from? In those circumstances, it's okay to lament. It's not just okay, it's good. We need to do more of it. Do you have a culture here at this church where it's safe to lament, safe to pour out your grief, to question and wrestle? It's perfectly okay to do that. And if you need my permission, you got my permission to do that. I think we need more of that. We don't have to act like, oh, I'm perfect. Everything's good. Happy, happy. Here we are at church again. But we don't grieve as those who have no hope. We grieve, but not as those who have no hope. Remember our passage uh, last week? The Apostle Paul said, knocked over, but not knocked out. Perplexed, absolutely perplexed, but not in despair. Afflicted, yes, but not crushed. Remember Bozo the clown punching bag? Boom, knocked over, but then... Because there's a strength, there's a weight, there's a gravitational center. And part of that gravitational center is scoping the resurrection. Hope in God. This world is not my home. Just passing through. I am a citizen of the next age. <clears throat> the evil armies of Sauron 
were attacking the white city of Minas Tirith. You with me? Can I get a witness? Return of the king. You'll remember that the beautiful white city is built on the side of a mountain in seven concentric circles with a wall around this level and then another level and a wall and a gate and a wall and a gate. Seven different uh, half circles up the side of the mountain. And the evil armies, the orcs and the men of the south, have broken through the first level and they have broken through the second level and the armies of Gondor are falling back and back and up and up and... It's the seventh level. And Gandalf and Pippin are listening to a huge troll hammering at the gate of the final level. And Pippin says, I didn't think it would end this way. And Gandalf says, the end? No. This is not the end. Death is just another path. And we all must take it. Gandalf says, The gray rain curtain of this world rolls back and all turns to silver glass. And then you see it. Pippin says, see what, Gandalf? White shores and a far green country under a swift sunrise. And Pippin says, well, that's not too bad. Not too bad indeed. And the hammering on the gate continues, and Gandalf gives Pippin a look as if to say, Courage now. Do your duty. And I say to you, Courage now. I'm not saying this world is easy, it is a world of hurt. I am saying, Focus on the next age. Prioritize your life now in light of living then. Realize that a crown awaits. White shores. In a far green country. And you may find strength to persevere, to live in this world of hurt by focusing on the resurrection. Did you know that Jesus scoped the resurrection? He is our model, our example. He said, they they said of him, for the joy set before him, he endured the cross. Yes, despising its shame, 
and now is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. For the joy set before him, he persevered. And so, consider him who endured such hostility of sinners against himself so that you will not grow weary and faint-hearted. Our Lord is our inspiration. He is our model. We are his disciples, his learners, his followers. And we learn that in order to persevere in this world of hurt, like Jesus, we keep our eyes fixed on the resurrection. May God help you, bless you, as you dwell in this world of hurt, to remain true to him. Shall we have a moment of silence where you make your own response to God based on this teaching of his word? Gracious Father, these words that you have given us, these words that I have spoken, are easier said than done. And so we ask for your help. Enable us to scope, fix our eyes on, Bring that which is distant, that which is unseen, before our vision. I pray for my sisters and my brothers at the Chinese Bible Church, Greater Boston, English Service. Please be very close to them. Give them an awareness of your presence. Give them strength to persevere. Give them wisdom in the midst of trials. May there be an atmosphere here of safety and authenticity so that lament is part of what we do together. And help us to focus forward, as our Lord did, for the joy set before him. We pray in his name. Amen. Amen.